you know, this goes to such a fundamental teaching of scripture. God can be talking right to you and tell you, and we don't have to believe it. That's what, of course, happens to Cain. That's what, of course, happens over and over again. So God isn't assuming that because God says it, that you take it on board. No. So it's so intriguing. We have the freedom to hear the word of God and go, so that's Rabbi Alan Ullman. He returns. This is part two. And we're in the middle of a conversation on Genesis 15, which is all about what does it mean to share your deepest, darkest, most intimate thing with God for the first time? And if you remember last week, we left off with the delicious and juicy story that Rabbi Allen was about to tell. So without any further ado, get into this story. It's so good. And I hope you love the rest of the conversation with Rabbi Allen, because I sure did. Um, it was about four years ago, and it was in Boston. And I happen to be in a time when there are two people who are dying slowly, excruciatingly slowly, and incredibly tragically, in, without getting too much into the contexts. And one is quite young, and one is quite old. Um, and I just come from visiting, which wasn't wise of me, both of them in the same day, but it just, that's when it needed to be to work yeah and I was just feeling so um, overwhelmed sad confused because um, it's both of them it was just awful awful and I and I actually said to Abba Abba why and I was just it was just and then something that had never happened to me suddenly happened a bird hit my windshield as I'm driving. And I saw it hit my windshield. I saw it coming towards my windshield, hit my windshield, and I saw it bounce off, and I saw it dead on the on the road. And then before I could turn around, before I could go another mile, a second bird hit my windshield, literally. I mean, it was crazy. And I saw it bounce off, and I saw it dead on the, the other side of the road, but I saw it. And then in my whole being, I heard, in my time. And I said, okay, in your time. I visited those people completely differently from then on. Mm. And it was, it was so clear what I was being asked to do. And, and then I thought, I hope nothing else has to die for me to get the point. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's, one can overthink things. Mm -hmm. And, and in a strange sense, if we can just come present to what is in front of us, and just be who he created us to be. 
I can't know all the answers. I was at that moment because I was in so much pain because of these people wanting to know the answer. And, and this is actually, whoever wrote the book of Job, at the end of the book of Job, what the author brings is Abba's pointing to Job to the creation. If you could really see the creation, you would understand who I am. And in fact, the reason why I was telling the story about the birds in the book of Job is that's where Abba's going to bring Abram. Now, if you can really see this, you're going to understand. But we're talking about a very different kind of seeing. And so Abram has questions. Abba's going to answer, but not quite in the way that we would necessarily like. But if we can take it on board in a way that if we can approach the humility of Moses, that we'll be able to understand what we're being asked to walk in. So. Well, and I think what I'm hearing you say so the two birds hit your windshield. You're right in the middle of this pain. These two people are dying. And the temptation, well, it's not even a temptation. Almost just where we go without reflexively without thinking is we we can't sit with the person who's dying because we're we're trying to solve that problem. Exactly. You know, we, we can't. Um, and it's not about me trying no. to solve the problem. No. Just and from then on, I was just with them. Yeah. And they would both die within the next year or two, but I was with them entirely yes. differently. I was just with them. Yeah. And instead of it being, and I mean, it wasn't that much less painful to be very honest. But instead of being like, I wouldn't say I was a burden to them, but uh, maybe, maybe a quasi burden. Yeah. <laughs> um, suddenly they were looking forward to my coming. Well. I, I think you're right in the money, Alan. I've been around enough sick people to know, like when they're really honest, the, some people that come actually are a burden yeah. to the person that is right. dying. Right. Because now they're, they're I mean, God bless all, us all. Yes, God bless right. any one of us who's tried to sit with a dying person or, you know, because it's so difficult and yeah. it's so hard and we don't know what to do. And But, um, but... So Parker Palmer, mm. amazing man, mm. tells a story in his little book, Let Your Life Speak, which just is one for the ages. But he said he went through a depression so dark that he just, he didn't want it. He didn't, and people would try to help and he didn't. The only person he says that could help was a, was a friend that came over every day about four o'clock and massaged his feet. Mm. That's all he did. Hmm. didn't talk to him didn't try to say hey get outside hey it's so nice outside why don't you just take a walk he just showed up every day hey parker massage his feet and to me again i'm not solving your problem i don't know why you're depressed i right. i i can be here with you i can bring what i bring right which is my hands and i can massage your feet that's what i hear you saying yeah. that you learned yeah and if if and and maybe it's like you know, and and Abram is coming to God with this exquisite question. Yes. You know, hey, I'm I'm supposed to bless those who you bless. Um, I'm I'm supposed to be 
a father of many nations. I think. I mean, I think that's what you said. Right. But I don't. I don't have any kids. Right. <laughs> Small problem. I don't <laughs> How have is any supposed kids. To work? <laughs> you know, and um, so God's response also isn't solving the problem for Abram. I don't think it's okay. So let's go. Let's go. So. The word of the Lord came to him. And suddenly, that one shall not be your heir. None but your very own issue shall be your heir. Yeah, because remember, Abram, and I love this, right? I don't, I do this all the time. Abram's like, hey, by the way, God, in case this thing doesn't work out, uh, Eliezer, yes. you know, he's here's, the guy. His plan B. His plan B. Right, he's right. Telling God. In my hip pocket. Yeah. Just yeah, in case you hadn't yeah. noticed, God. Yeah. Or in I case got... you hadn't thought this <laughs> totally through, all the way through. Yeah. I got this. I got this covered. So, so God, in verse 4, assures him that, no. But incidentally, Abram doesn't hear verse 4 and go, ah, you said it. Ergo, right. I believe it. You know, so it's so dun, interesting. Dun, dun. Right. And so intriguing we have the freedom to hear the word of god and go eh, not so much so <laughs> so then we get to verse five yeah and in verse five suddenly we're at that word that i was talking about earlier vayotse yeah so god is taking him out i would say knowing what we know about what we were talking about earlier this morning taking him out of the narrow place meaning okay can, can i just pause because yeah. this is god took him outside to show him something now we just read that and we're like yeah he took him outside but this is genesis 15 where were they like where was of course, he they're outside you know already I mean? sorry yeah they're not in the air conditioning right you know right. in the basement right stroking no, the beard god is taking him outside yeah. of where he normally inhabits his life yes right so God is taking him outside, but he's, he's literally causing him to leave, I would say, the Egypt, the narrow place of where he's inhabiting his life. But keep in mind, in all fairness to Abram, it's decades of chronic infertility. Yeah. So I would say, you would say, most of us would say, that's reality. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're asking me to believe that what is reality isn't reality. Let the games begin. Let the games begin. begin. Right. Let the games begin. So he takes him outside and he shows him the stars. Mm. Now, it says in our translations, this one, count the stars. Now, the word there is samach peresh, sfor. Sfor can mean count, but it can also mean book. And it can also mean story. So Sefer is book. Sipur is story. But it's this root. Yep. 
Okay, so look up at the stars. Can you see, can you count, can you enumerate the story? Mm. Now, now, the stars are created on day four. So if we go to day four, we get a big clue as to what's being shown. Day four of creation, yeah, Genesis day four. Uh, one. Genesis one, uh, starting with verse 14. So God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate day from night. They shall serve as signs. And then my translation says for the set times. Yeah. But the word is Moadim. Yeah. That's being translated as set times. Now, we don't know this yet, but the Moadim turn out to be Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. Oh, what is Abba showing Abram? Well, he's taking him out. He's showing him the stars, but the stars are the set times. And the set times are Passover. Wait, Passover? Yeah. Passover is all about what? Well, Abram's descendants leaving Egypt. So what Abba is showing him is the deep future. Yeah. Now, lest all our listeners think that Ullman is on drugs, which, okay, fair <laughs> enough. If, if you go back to Genesis chapter 15, yep. and you pick it up with verse 12, as the sun was about to set, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and a great dark dread descended upon him. And God said to Abram, Know well that your offspring shall be in a stranger's in a land not theirs, and they shall be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. Wait a second. Abba's literally now telling him what he saw in the stars. Yeah. So, in other words, in Genesis 15, you're in case that reference isn't clear to the reader and Abram in verse 5, although it is clear to Abram yep. in verse 5, because he gets it when he sees it. But in case it's not clear to the reader, here comes the translation, which tells you, oh, he's telling him, dude, you're worried about one descendant? You're going to have so many descendants, you won't even know how to count them all, name them all, you won't know what their birthdays are, you won't know... The great question is, can we step out of our small present into the infinite, eternal yes. present? Yes, yes. And the answer is, we can. We can experience it. It can be shown to us. But the question is always the question, will I receive the blessing? Yes. So here it is. He takes him outside. He shows him the deep future. Then, lest you had any doubt he was showing him in the deep future, he tells him the deep future. But how many of us would be comforted by knowing 400 years into the future? Or longer into the future? That is something that is part of what it means to co-create with God. Will I experience that as comfort? Will I understand that? Look, in this very brief lifetime, I may get a few bricks out of that wall. Yeah. Maybe a few more than a few. But the wall is huge. And it's high. And it's got more bricks than any of us are going to get out of it in one lifetime. 
but can I see that that is something that we are being asked to walk in together? Yeah. And I would say we can, and it gives meaning and it gives hope and it gives the directionality of Tove. Um, so again, Tove, uh, define Tove again. Right. So Tove is, is right. what means good, uh, Genesis 1. Verse 11 and 12. Yep. Right. And so my not handy dandy definition. I love it. I love it. I wrote about it. It's beautiful. Is actualization for the potential of life embedded in the creation by God when the creation brings it forth with the seeds of future life in it. Okay. So within Abram are these seeds of life. They're going to be the Israelites. They're going to flourish. And then they're going to be led into captivity. They're going to be there for 400 years in Egypt. Eventually they're going to be let out. Um, so all of that, all of that future at this moment in Genesis 15 exists within Abram. Right. And he can't quite see it. He's talking about Eleazar. Right. Um, and how often... And I don't, it, it like, it, it's not Abram's bad intentions. No. He's talking about Eleazar. He's not talking about, um, you know, taking a, taking a bath in sin. He's not talking about abandoning God. He's just saying, so far as I can understand, this whole deal about well, me being a father isn't really working out. Just to riff on something real fast. Eleazar, Eli, my God, Azer, help. So God is my help. And he's saying, well, yes, God is my help this way. Yeah. But Abba's saying, no, God is your help, but this way. Yes. So it's it's in a sense that even in the name, we can say God is my help, but what we mean by it might not be what God means by it. On that day when I was driving and I was just struggling so much with what I was walking with and in with these two beautiful human beings, I was looking for God to be my help in one way. Right. It came in a very different way, but there it was. Okay. So let me share a story. Um, yes, yes. And a thousand times. Yes. So in our little church, you know, we're not even three, we're toddlers. And we've been looking, 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 looking for our location. Mm -hmm. We've been in the same place for three years. You've been there. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful place. Beautiful place. Such yeah. provision. Awesome. But we've really sensed, we really have for more than a year now, that God is preparing us to go to Lech Lecha. I mean, yeah. undoubtedly. We, yeah. we all sense it. We all see it. So we put together our handy-dandy geographical boundaries. It's going to be no farther than this far west, no farther than this far east, right. no farther than this far north, and no farther than this far south. Because, hey, you, you know, you got to be reasonable. I mean, people aren't going to go this far. Or this this is our, this is who we are, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you can see where this is going. See where this is going. Well, I'm telling you, and, and, and I've told you this, uh, two or three sure things have fallen through. Right. Two or three things. That, yep, makes total sense. Why don't we meet here? Nope. We had a lease that we got given to us. All we needed to do was sign, but several of us got this catch in our spirit, got this mm. pause, got this stop. Yeah. And in the time it took for us to 
figure out what Ava was doing and get back and say, okay, yeah, we would like to sign. They said, oh, sorry, someone else signed a lease with us for us. And then we were like, what? So one way of understanding what's happening is, Abba, what, why are you against us? Why, why, why are you thwarting every plan? Why is every plan being thwarted? Or it's, ah, <laughs> you know, yes, I yes, am yes. waiting for you to see mm-hmm. what I want you to see. Right. And actually, because, and I, I'm being a little pejorative here. I'm joking. I really, because mm-hmm. I don't think God thinks of us as stupid, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe not the sharpest tool in the shed. How about <laughs> yeah, that? You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, yes. Like, God's grace Mm. is that these things are falling apart because had they worked out, Mm -hmm. then we would be, it would be so much longer before we could really see where we're going. Okay. The long, shorter way. Yes. And one of the things that is all through the text is sometimes it takes a long time to get to the place where you're actually going to be in the river of God's faithfulness. And yet, when you are in that river, the future comes forward in a way that it could never come forward any other way. Yeah. So it's the long, shorter way. It's um, over and over again in the text. It's those who have been delayed and deferred and have waited. Um, uh, British theologian Paula Gooder wrote a very beautiful uh, book uh, the, the meaning is in the waiting and it's so intensely, uh, and, but you think Hannah, you think oh, yeah. Abram and Sarai, you think Jacob and Rachel and passage after Moses is standing at the burning bush. He's probably about 79. The meaning is in the waiting. I even think about Joshua, uh, and Caleb, right, right, right. going to the promised land. It's year one. It's year one of the 40 year one. And you've taught this to me. So I'm getting this from you from the text. Yeah. And they could go in Yeah. after one year. Right. What do you see? Well, I, you know, I see a land flowing with milk and honey. I see, you know, fruit so big. We could, we have to carry it in. What do you guys see? Oh, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. We, they're, they're, they're too big for us. We, we can't go in. So they don't go in, but Joshua and Caleb, they don't, there is no other job to go mm-hmm. to, you know, so yes. like they don't move from Target to General Mills because <laughs> General Mills is really getting it, but Target's not. There, there is nowhere to go, which is also a grace. But they hang around for, and Joshua especially hangs around for 39 more years, and, and then they enter the promised land. But it's... What does it mean to love the flock? Yeah. 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 Especially since the flock in Numbers chapter 13 and 14 are about to stone Joshua and Caleb. <laughs> And yet, they don't abandon them. I mean, Joshua and Caleb don't abandon the flock. They walk with the flock and raise up the next generation. Yeah. And I I just, it's, be, so be strong and courageous, Joshua's of the world. I, I'm talking to the people now. When you, when your thing isn't happening as quickly as you want it to, even though you're being faithful to the calling, even though... Honestly, you're doing everything you know how to do, not perfectly, but rightly. And the response is not what you thought it would be. The feedback is not what you thought it would be. Uh, You're not seeing the explosions in the sky that you want to see. 
hang on, yep. be strong and courageous, go in the right direction, you're going to enter, be faithful it, it, through the people want to stone you and <laughs> people are complaining about you. Like, uh, welcome to the party. <laughs> yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Because, look, we're about to get to verse 6. And, yeah. And in verse 6, he's going to get it. Brahm clearly gets it. But he's actually a long and winding road away from the birth of Isaac. Yeah. And so it's not that getting it means that you're there. Immediately, no. It just means that you're there. <laughs> <laughs> That struck me so funny because that's such a you thing to say. It's not that you're there. It's just that you're there. Right. <laughs> of course, if that makes sense. Because the there I want is Isaac in my arms. Yeah. The there I've got is the consciousness that there will be something, someone, someday yeah. in my arms. Yeah. And we kind of tend to forget. And that's grace. Yeah, that is grace. That is grace. That is grace. When you know it's going to be in your arms, even though it isn't in your arms yet. You know it's going to be in your arms. Because that's what happens with Hannah. Yep. Hannah means yep. grace. 1 Samuel 1. She knows she's going to have the child. And this is before they've had sexual intercourse. Yeah. And, and, and so... First book of Samuel, chapter one, verse eighteen. And and Hannah has received the 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 blessing from the high priest Eli, and it says, and her face was not to her anymore. Yeah, yeah. Ah, and that's of course, her face was fallen. She was weeping. She was not eating. Wait, Cain's face was fallen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Abba says in Genesis chapter four, if you do tov. There will be uplift. Ah, Hannah, Grace, has done tov. She's spoken out loud to the high priest what it is that has brought her to this state and to this place. And the high priest blesses her and she receives it and her face is not to her anymore. This is the moment of grace, meaning there is no baby. There's not even, they haven't even had sexual intercourse yet. No, she's there. Yeah. But she's not there, but she's there. But she's there. Yeah. She's there. Verse six. And He'emin, Badonai, He'emin is the word that has the root Aleph Memnun, Amen. Amen is the root of Emunah, faith. Amen literally means when you say something and I say amen, it means to confirm or support. You could translate it as faith. You could translate it as trust. It's, I'm pretty sure, uh, double check this before yep, this, yep, yep. Uh, that this is the first usage of the word Aleph Memnun in the text. And yud heh vav heh, I will be what I will be. So, Abram put his faith, or caused himself to have faith, put his trust, in my translation, in yud heh vav heh, in I will be what I will be, in God, and God thought it to him righteousness. The word there is the root tzedek, 
Tzadi Dalet Kuf. Tzedek means righteousness. It can also be translated as justice. And here it comes. God thought it to him, righteousness. Now, first usage of the word tzedek is Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. And Noah is described as an ish man, tzaddik, a righteous man. A righteous dude. Right. Thank you. Dude. Excuse me. <laughs> that's the that's the better translation. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. You know, I, I didn't do well in that class. So, um, uh, a righteous uh, dude. And and what? And that's the first usage of the word tzedek. And so, here's the context. The first usage of the word tzedek, righteous, mm-hmm. is everybody around you is evil. And somehow, when everybody around you is evil, you can do what? Keep your eyes on God. So righteousness is about the capacity to be able to stay focused on God in the midst of everything. A tsunami of evil in Genesis chapter 6. Well, here, the righteousness, the tzedek of Abram, is a tsunami of life experience. A tsunami of chronic infertility. A tsunami of every month going by and no baby. And somehow, in the midst of all one's life experience, you can somehow keep your eye on God. And when we can do that, there it is. There it is. We're there. God thought it to him, Tzedek. So, yeah. So, and what you were just riffing on just a moment ago, so beautiful. We're... You were talking about people having all these experiences and it's not happening and it's yeah, not happening yeah. and it's not happening. That's Genesis chapter 15, verse 5 and 6. Yeah. It's not happening. It's not happening. Can we keep our eyes on it? If we can. Yeah. Yeah. One of the reasons why I love the scriptures, many reasons, but if you really read them in the moment as if you're reading them like Abram has no future but right there. The story's being told by losers. And by losers, I don't mean lame people. I mean people who aren't winning. So much of what we read right now in books, on Twitter, on Facebook, is from the winners. Like we we go to the conferences and we learn how to do it from the successful ones. And they say, hey, follow my pattern and you will have the same pattern. And we buy it, hook, line, and sinker. The scriptures tell stories like the main beginning is this guy abram who's mostly we don't know anything about his childhood we certainly he's not successful in any noticeable way shape or form god has no reason to believe that he's you know worthy he's and and that's on and on and on and on and on and on and and so can we here's my thing can we stop with the comparison toward, oh, I'm not as successful as this person or author or pastor. I'm in the world of church planting, right? Uh, Al, in the world of church planting, I mean, we're all trying our best, you know, but it's like we look to our right and we see the people that are better than us, meaning they have more people, people coming to our church or whatever, and we feel worse about ourselves. We look to our left at least we have some losers on our left that we can feel better than because they have less people come to torture. You know what I mean? And it's pathetic. But if we can be in the story of God, the story that God cares about with Abram is Abram. <laughs> What's your story? And what, what is the Tove residing inside of you? That's what we got to be focused on. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's such a, and if we can, as you say, if we can say, okay, in the middle of all this comparison and, and yay for those folks that are pieces of it, that's great. Um, and, ah, oh, for the people that aren't, ah, oh, versus feeling better. Ugh. Uh, that was Hebrew. Ah. <laughs> oh, it's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> it means, ah. Um, translate what I'm trying to say right now. Um, do you know what I mean? So where I would go with it, and um, if this isn't where you're going, stop me. One of the great challenges is what are our metrics of measurement? Yes. And all through the text, the metric of measurement is not numbers. If it was numbers, you would have stayed in Egypt. Yeah. If it was numbers, you would stay in Babylonia. There is something that God is trying to bring forth. And it's to more and more. Well, it's, it's said in Genesis chapter 12. I will bless those who bless you curse those who curse you and all the nations of the earth shall bless themselves by you now if you had been a betting man you would have bet on the great empire of egypt or the greater empire of rome you wouldn't have bet on jesus and a few disciples no jesus and a few disciples rome no i think most people reasonable people sane people would have bet on rome rome doesn't exist um, that empire came and went. So the great question is, can we see that which is infinitely eternal and of the living God? Or will we be caught in that which is large and magnificent in the present tense, but is quintessentially ephemeral? Yes. And we have to make as human beings unbelievably challenging choices in the present tense. And Jesus teaches, no man can serve two masters. Okay, am I serving Rome or the parallel equivalent of Rome in the 21st century? And what does it mean to even ask oneself that question? And then how does one go about answering that question? What am I pledging allegiance to? And, and scripture is all about people who somehow, somehow in the midst of the tsunami of whatever was around them, whether it was a personal issue, chronic infertility, a communal issue, everyone is wicked, whether it's the greatest civilization on planet Earth of 3,000 some years ago, Egypt, can somehow look past all that to see the sacred beacon and, and somehow align themselves and walk towards that. And what gives me um, incredible optimism is hope is that we've been doing that for 3,000 years. We're sitting here having this conversation about that exact topic. And I'd be willing to put my hand on a good book, which I am doing right now. Yes. Put my other hand up in the air and say there are people who are listening to this podcast and other podcasts like it. And, uh, and it's not just podcasts, yep. reading books, yep. uh, giving sermons all over the world who are going to be key to this going forward. Yeah. Because we too live in a tsunami 
Um, and our tsunami is specific to our age, and it creates all sorts of problems for us. But if we can just remember to keep our eyes up and focused on that beacon of light, the fascinating thing about all these tsunamis, whether ancient or modern, is that they will just go around us. Yeah, um, I'm getting this picture right now as you're talking of, so we're, we are in a ship heading toward the beacon, and that's how we know, the beacon of the lighthouse. To our left is the rocky shoal of not believing that the tove inside of us will ever come forth. Ah, it's hidden. Ah. It's not going to be there. So we can so we can crash into this unbelief of, ah, just, ah, okay. To our right is the unbelief that whatever empire that we're currently living in, Babylonia, well, before that, you know, Egypt, Babylonia, Rome, the United States, whatever, will ever, will, will, will last forever. Like, like this, this thought that, well, nothing's ever going to be different versus just, no, we're going to, we're going to thread that needle right. and we're going to believe that the toe that's inside of us is coming forth and whatever empire that we're living in that does not carry the future of God is, is ephemeral will not last forever. We're going to thread that needle and go toward that beacon. And that's righteousness. That's, yeah. And and the way you said that reminds me of the beautiful teaching. Um, rich young man comes to Jesus, wants to follow, but Jesus says something very simple but very hard. Okay, give up all your stuff. Come with me. No worries, mate. Um, I, that's somewhere <laughs> in the New Testament. Anyway, no worries, mate. Yes, exactly. You're all and, good. And the... And the young man just can't quite give it all up. And the disciples become concerned. Well, and Jesus said, easier for the camel to go through the eye of the needle. But everything is possible with the help of God. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. The eye of the needle. But we can do that. And that's exactly our challenge. And that's exactly this word, tzedek. Yeah. Yeah. We can thread the needle. Yeah. And that's what we're being asked to do. Yes. And it's beautiful. Yeah. What were you about to say? No. Yeah, that's it. I just, I, I sometimes think people feel it can't be done, but we have over 3,000 years of history of us doing it. Yeah. And it's not just in the scriptures, right? right. I mean, it is in the scriptures. Of course. But it's, it's, it's happening now. Exactly. But this is the thing. It's like... Don't look for it on the headlines, right. the tweets, and the Facebook. You, you're not going to see it there. You, you're, you're just not going to see it there. You, it, it's this is going to be the shabby guy who's you know sitting across the table from you that you thought yeah. oh, he's. I'm not going to hang out with that loser because I got to be with the important people. No, that that that's how you know you're not. That's how you know you're crashing into the empire. Um, yeah. Quick story. Yes. Um, and and. Uh, I'm, I'm having the sense that we should stop. But, yeah. Well, we uh, got a we got a whole day of study ahead yeah. of us. Um, so somebody told this story, and it was just so illustrative of everything we're talking about. She has a ten year old and a and a six year old, and the kids want her to put them to bed. And you know she's been doing this for ten years now, so it's kind of like uh, been there, done there, done that. Got the t shirt, and you know, and it, she's just trying to get him to sleep so that she can then go do or have or whatever. And then it suddenly hits her in one of those moments. Oh, there's going to come a day sooner than I think where they're not going to want 
this anymore. And I'm going to look back on this and wish that I hadn't wished it away. Yes. So that night, she goes in with her 10-year-old. And instead of just trying to get him to sleep, he asks her a question. And she engages the question. And suddenly, she's talking and he's talking about the book of Joshua. Hmm. And he asks her this exquisite question. And it's not it's no longer about trying to stay up a little longer. It's something mm -hmm. he has been thinking about that he just is suddenly accessing in the moment. So he asks her this exquisite question and from her comes an answer which she had been sort of puzzling on but hadn't had yet. And then she starts to weep and he comforts her. <laughs> and in comforting her, he falls asleep. Oh, what a different way to put your child to sleep. Yeah. And you can thread that needle. Exactly. You can. But what are the what are the trolls that you gotta watch out for? And and there is some intentionality with that. And you know, let's not crash into the shoal of well, you know, thinking about all that you have to do before exactly. you go to bed. You know, exactly. be there. Be right. there. And I um so one of the Newer Covenant verses that actually I love the most. We had one of our artist friends do an artist mm -hmm. rendering of it. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And it basically says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you. Right. So that at all times, in all things, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Right. So for us... So, and it's hanging in our laundry room. That's where we put it, you know, so it's away from, but it's where you do all this work, doing laundry, this menial work. It's, you know, and um, what that says to me is you can thread the needle. Yes. God is able to shower grace on you. Yeah. Does he have the baby? No. No. Does he see it? Yes. Yeah. He sees it. Ah. Yeah. At any moment. Amen. Amen. And that. seeing came after he had the courage to put the shields down. You know, so may we all, may this be our benediction as we close. May we all have the courage to put the shields down and say that vulnerable thing to God mm. and each other, the deepest heart cry. And then, and then, may we see all that Abba has for us. Amen. 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 Thank you, my friend. Uh, this is this was fun. This was fun, and too bad, so sad for all the listeners. But we get to go study all day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, um, okay. I'll any um, uh, so we are dust and breath. We are limited and limitless. We're human and holy, and we're in it together. So grateful for you, my friend. Oh, and for you, my friend. Well, I hope you enjoyed that because I sure did. Two weeks of Rabbi Alan Ullman, uh, and it's just so, 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 so good. Uh, and again, uh, for the second week in a row, I'm sharing some music from my friend Stu G. He just put out a record called The Beatitudes. Uh, the song this week is Heaven is All Around, featuring John Mark McMillan. Love his voice. The whole record was written by Stu G as a sort of um, companion project to the book that he wrote called Words from the Hill, which is all about his observations and stories based on the Beatitudes of Jesus. And the book is brilliant. 
the record is brilliant. I'm going to put the links to the show notes. But if you just want to go on Amazon and get uh, Words from the Hill by Stuart Garrard. Or go to iTunes and get The Beatitudes uh, by Stu G, uh, Stuart Garrard. Do that, but I'm going to put links on the show notes so you will have no excuse not to purchase and share. Uh, So enjoy, my friends, and have a great rest of your week. Hey, everybody, I'm Steve Weens, and this is my podcast where I explore humanity, spirituality, and mystery one word at a time. For more about my work, my writing, my preaching, my books, and all that good stuff, head on over to steveweens.com.